Our passage today comes from the book of John, chapter 13, beginning at verse 18. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table close to Jesus. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he had said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what you need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. This is the word of our living God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Betrayal is a serious matter. It is very real. If you have ever been betrayed, then you know of what I speak. I remember as a, high, as a college student, and those of you who know me know that I was uh, then and am still a nerd, and so I studied hard. I was a sophomore, had a religion class, and uh, in my religion class, it was midterm time, and the professor had given us 30 questions. These were all one-page essay questions that we would uh, answer uh, on this midterm, uh, but he would choose uh, a number of them. We didn't know which ones he would choose. We just knew it would be one, it would be some of the 30. So what I did, uh, being the student that I was, was to get that that list of questions and begin to work through every single one of them. I answered all 30 uh, questions, and once I had uh, finished my work, this was before the days of laptops and personal computers, because as Cameron uh, Bowles pointed out, I'm old. And so it was before the days of all of that, and so I wrote them all on paper uh, and one page per. I ended up with uh, 30 pages written of work. 
had a roommate. His name uh, was Steve, and uh, uh, Steve uh, was also in the same religion class, just a different section, had received the same questions, same uh, midterm he would get. And so uh, he uh, saw me working so hard on this, and one day when I was not in the room, decided that he would take it upon himself to get into my backpack, grab that 30 pages of work out, and he was pledging for a fraternity. So uh, one of the things to get you in good with the brothers is to uh, take them free work. And so I walked into the library, saw this line of Kappa Alpha brothers or would-be brothers, uh, saw this whole line of folks uh, who were uh, copying my 30 pages of work going through the copier one at a time. There they stood in line. I had done all the work. Steve had delivered it, and uh, I realized that uh, my roommate uh, was not much of a friend. I remember going up to the copier as if it would help, grabbing the copy that was in it out, looking at these uh, punks, uh, and uh, uh, being a nerd, I, I'm not a fighter, so I didn't hit anybody, um, said something they probably didn't understand, and then uh, I left. The worst thing was that when we took the midterm, Steve did better than I did. That just was the knife, in and now turned Betrayal is a real thing, and, and so one of the issues that you and I have when we think of Judas, nobody in the room likes him. We look at Judas as, as this awful guy, but, but the disciples liked Judas, and they had no idea he was betraying anyone. We, we know. We know what happened, but they did not, and, um, and so when this unfolds, you'll see that they have no clue. So Jesus interjects something. He has just told them that they will be blessed or happy if they serve one another. They'll do that by washing feet. Uh, by uh, We talked about that last week. Verse 18, he says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. So Jesus quotes this Old Testament reference, and so if he's going to do that, and he's saying that scripture is going to be fulfilled, who wrote it, and what was he talking about? Well, King David wrote that, and King David was talking about a dark day in his life. What happened to King David was this. It was toward the end of his reign, and he had a son named Absalom. Absalom, his son, decided he wanted to be king. It must have been a sudden thing because all of a sudden we see this aged King David uh, marshal his troops and leave uh, the city of Jerusalem. The path that he followed was intentional, but it was also the quickest exit out. He left the eastern gate, went down into the Kidron Valley, ascended the Mount of Olives, and on to a town named Bahurim, eventually to arrive at the Jordan River. But his departure is one of the saddest moments, I think, in human history in the Bible. Why? 
because this decorated king, known for his conquest, known because he expanded Israel's borders as God had promised to Abraham they would be, he was a warrior king, he was a man's man, this king is now fleeing from his own city, uh, uh, which is capital of his uh, uh nation of which he is in charge. He has no sandals on. He's bare feet. His, uh, his head is covered with sackcloth and he is weeping. And as he is leaving, his bodyguard is in front of him. He has 600 men behind him. They are all covered their heads. They are weeping too. This is a dark day in Israel's history. And so they travel out, they go out down the Kidron Valley, they're ascending the Mount of Olives, they get right beyond it, and he encounters Shimei. You see, Shimei was one of Saul's descendants, the king that David succeeded. He had a chip on his shoulder, and he began shouting insults at King David. Not only did he do that, but he picked up gravel, he picked up rocks, and he threw those at King David. One of King David's men, whose name was Abishai, said to the king, your majesty, just the irony of that title, your majesty. No shoes, weeping. Why do you let this dog curse you? Let me go over there and cut off his head. And David said to Abishai and to all his officials, my own son is trying to kill me, so why should you be surprised at this Benjaminite? If my own son, he says, is trying to kill me, I'm hated everywhere. The Lord told him to curse, so leave him alone and let him do it. Perhaps the Lord will notice my misery and give me some blessings to take the place of his curse. So David and his men continued along the road. Shimei kept up with them, walking on the hillside. He was cursing and throwing stones and dirt at them as he went. The king and all his men were worn out when they reached the Jordan And there they rested. King David, writing about this man, says, the one, or about this event, says, the one who ate my bread, meaning my own boy, has lifted his heel against me. Well, if that gives us insight into Judas, what does that tell us about Judas and Jesus' relationship? They were close. He was one of the twelve. He was loved, he was respected, and it was a surprise. None of the others knew that in their circle was a man like this. And so Jesus sees Judas as dangerous as Absalom, and in light of that, he protects the faith of the faithful. Look at verse 19. He says, I'm telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. He looks at his disciples and he says, I'm telling you now before Judas betrays me so that when he does, you may believe. That word believe, of course, is a word of faith. 
When Judas departs, defects, and later betrays Jesus, the disciples' faith is going to be shaken. Why? Because they had no clue Judas was going to do this. And if they think, well, did Jesus not know? Did Jesus not see this coming? Then their faith in Jesus could be shaken or even shattered. And so Jesus, knowing that, tells him in advance, he says, that you may believe after it has happened that I am he. So we need to jump into that little I am he phrase. Why is Jesus using it? It is his second reference to the Old Testament now. Why is he using it? Isaiah 41.4, who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I, the Lord, the first and with the last. Here it is, class. I am what? I am he. What does this mean? Jesus is claiming here at the final meal, this last supper, that he is the God of Isaiah 41. But let's not stop there. Isaiah 43, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that what? I am what? There it is again. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. Just like Isaiah 1, uh, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was no strange God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth I am what? I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? John 8, 58, Jesus said to the Pharisees, this rattled their cage, it made them angry. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. But then let's go forward to when Judas ultimately betrays Jesus. Chapter 18, when Jesus had spoken these words, the words of 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, do you notice anything? Do you notice it at all? How did King David leave? How does King Jesus leave? Just follow. He went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place for Jesus often met there with his disciples. King David went out across the brook Kidron and up and he also met with his own Judas, did he not? His name was Shimei. And here is Judas coming in. Here is Judas coming in. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with ladders and torches and weapons. Judas comes ready. He's got a massive number of soldiers. Other references say there could be hundreds, perhaps thousands of soldiers. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, What does he say? Class, what does he say? I am he. Now he was the great I am. 
David was not, but David was close enough to the I am to look at Abishai and say, God has ordained that Shimei is going to throw stones at me, is going to curse me, is going to do what he's going to do. Let him do it. But King David could not have known that the reason that Shimei is cursing him is because many years hence, there become the great I am. And he would walk on planet earth and he would go out the same gate down across the valley up and there he would meet his own Judas and everybody would understand that this indeed is the I am. This is what God was doing. And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with him. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. All the soldiers fell to the ground at the very mention of his name. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? Implied in that is get up. Right? And they said to him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. The I am that Jesus declares himself to be is the same God who met Moses at the burning bush. And Moses said, who are you? And he said, I am that I am. You see, Judas' act of betrayal could undo their faith. And Jesus acted to protect their faith. I would say to you this morning, as reports this week came in from among our, our church family of illness, of cancer returning, that there is a God in heaven who is the great I am. And could I say something to you this morning that he has gone before you and that he knew well before it happened to you what would happen. And in ways you may not know, Jesus protects your faith. In ways you may not understand, there is a God in heaven who knows what's coming ahead. Why? Because he is the first and he is the last. He is the I am. He is before every trial you've ever faced. And he'll be standing with you through it and he'll be there at the end. Amen? He is the great I am. And when I called Miss Brenda last night, once I had heard the news and she and I talked and I could barely make out the words because of her cancer that is in her mouth. And as she was articulating to me uh, that she would go again and have yet another surgery as she has been through this again and again and again. These are the words I could understand Miss Brenda say it. She said, I am so blessed. How can you, Miss Brenda, look down this trial? How can you, at this point in your life, look down this trial and say, I am so blessed because there is a great I am who has walked with Miss Brenda in times past, who's walking with her now. And I'm here to tell you, church, this morning that he'll walk with her through this one. Amen. He will be with her through every step, through every turn, through every part of it. You see, the man who called to tell me about her was her son, Paul. Paul, who didn't know the Lord until about five years ago. And if Paul were standing on this stage, he'd tell you he was a hoodlum. 
Like he tells you, he was the biggest sinner on the planet. And God, by his grace, turned Paul Tate around. And then it was just a couple years ago that Frank, her husband, who never knew the Lord, never, after years and years and years of marriage, Paul convinced Frank to go to church with him, and Frank gave his life to Christ. And Miss Brenda, who's looking at this possible cancer or this cancer that is returned, knows that there is an I am who saved her, saved her son, saved her husband. And I guess she thinks he's got her now. Amen? Wow. That is the God we serve. Oh, my goodness, if we could, in the difficult hours, settle in and let him be. Wouldn't that be good? Uh, And I say we. If your faith is in someone else, you will be disappointed. Jesus doesn't stop there. He connects himself with God. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Please hear me. If you're a follower of Jesus and someone receives you, they receive Jesus, and if they receive Jesus, they receive the Father. Let that sink in. You say, what does this mean? Jesus has your back. He's got you. Maybe your faith is wavering today. Maybe you look at the couple you thought had it all together in their marriage is is fractured, and it causes your faith to shake. The person you thought was following God all of a sudden makes a life decision that contradicts God's word and God's plan. Your faith wavers. Jesus is the I am. Perhaps you prayed and prayed, and the outcome isn't at all what you anticipated. Jesus is the I am. He, he protects the faith of the faithful Secondly, he warns the wayward. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified. These are hefty words. He was, he was in deep angst. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And the disciples look at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. They, they had no clue. It was Judas. Don't miss that. They had, they had no clue it was Judas. And one of his disciples whom Jesus loved, that would be John. Some look at that and go, wow, John, that, isn't that a bit presumptuous to say you're the disciple whom Jesus loved? And no, if you read uh, the gospel of John in its entirety, you read 1, 2, and 3, John, you read the book of Revelation, you'll say, John is simply saying, I, I can't believe that I'm so loved by Jesus. I, I just can't believe that Jesus loves me. It was John who penned the words, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. John is so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. Uh, So John was reclining at table at Jesus' side, and Simon Peter motioned to him and asked Jesus of whom he was speaking. All right, so, so this is a very real thing happening in real time here. Uh, they're, they're gathered around the table, as I said last week, propped up on left elbow. Uh, they're down on the ground, not sitting, uh, uh, you know, smiling for the camera. They're down on the ground, and so it must be Jesus. It must be John, and Peter is somewhere over there, and Peter's like, John, ask him who it is, right? It, Peter's asking what everybody wanted to ask because that's Peter, and so That disciple leaning back against Jesus, that's John, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread while I dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Um, There are a couple of things that we need to notice here that get us to the heart of God. 
that Jesus does. One is that in order for Jesus to be able to reach Judas, commentators believe that Judas must have been sitting on his left. John on his right, Judas on his left. When you host a meal in that day, and even today, there are seats of honor. If you've ever gone to a big dinner, there might be a, a head table or a table for dignitaries. For, maybe it's a guest speaker. Maybe uh, they're the ones who have funded the event. Who, whatever it may be, uh, so it was in Jesus' day. If Judas Iscariot is sitting to his left, Jesus in this final moment uh, gave Judas a seat of honor. I would ask, could it be that giving Judas this place of honor was part of Jesus' last appeal to him? And if that is so, what does that tell us about him? Uh, for any of the room who think uh, that you've gone too far, done too much, been too low, been too bad, no. And Jesus says, well, the one that I'll give this morsel of bread, this was also done by, by host as a mark of honor or friendship. But here we see Judas received the bread, but not the love. Newbigin, in his work on this, says the final act of love becomes with a terrible immediacy the decisive moment of judgment. Jesus says in Judas's hearing, the person that I dip the bread and give it to will betray me. Judas, hearing that, has a choice to say no. Hearing that, he takes the bread and eats it anyway. And what happened was disastrous. Verse 27. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. It is the only time in the Gospel of John that Satan, that name, is used. It is in connection with Judas. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. I want you to hear me. There is a point of no return. I know this isn't popular and seldom preached. But there is a point of no return. It is called in theology the doctrine of reprobation, that reality that you can refuse Christ and embrace Satan, and in so doing, you're done. Paul spells this out in Romans 1, for although they knew God, not personally, uh, Romans 1 talks about knowing God uh, because he's simply creator, this universal uh, reality of we can know that there is a God just by looking outside. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They chose to worship dogs and snakes and monkeys and those things. Therefore, that therefore is so damning. God gave them up. He gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. God said, have it your way. Live your life. Go your way. He gave them up. Some of you this morning are at a crossroads. You're watching online or you're sitting in this room. And you're close enough to Jesus to hear a sermon. But you're far away enough from him to consider taking the bread and walking in the other direction. What will you do? Verse 28, no one at the table knew why he said this to him, why, why he said, what you're going to do, do quickly. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what you need for the feast or that we should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out. Judas had done such a good job of fooling them of leading a double life that they had no idea that he had a host of men waiting and he would kiss the door of heaven and go to hell. And John adds, and it was night. I know you don't like Judas, but they loved him. What could have been Judas' finest hour became his worst. What became Jesus' worst hour can become your best. It was night. This sermon is Jesus' morsel of bread dipped in grace and offered in love. Will you instead choose 30 pieces of silver? Lord, I pray for two 
find some people this morning. Those who are at an all-important crossroads, tempted to say yes to betrayal and sin. May they be warned And may they also see a Jesus who invites them to the table close enough to feel the warmth of his breath, to be in the reach of his hand. to rub shoulders. I pray for Grayson and Amy and Miss Brenda, Frank, Paul, and Mary, and Paul Thompson. I pray for the Villini family. For Joe and Barbara, for Ishmael, Sean, for Craig and Luann, Lisa, protect their faith. Jesus, may they hear the shuffle of sandal feet as the great I am walks among them.